0: To Zenergy, the interactive podcast providing resources for building a better life. I am Zena I am a coach, conduit, and catalyst who launches humanity into greatness by accelerating mindset changes and replacing limitations with possibilities. And today's topic is commitment. And I am here with James E. Walker. And so we're going to talk about that topic. So um, I guess my first you know, I, I know people are going to notice this as I did. I'm going to ask you about the e exclamation point on your name. Right, right. I'm sure that's going to be like people wondering about that. So what, what does that refer to?
1: Yes.
2: Yeah, so it's basically to move some people out the way. My name is so common. So if you just go with James Walker or James E. Walker, several things is going to come up. A big library is going to come up. So legally, like when, when you see my music and everything on Spotify, Apple Music, I had to find a way to strategically be able to use the name and uh, put the exclamation on there, to put emphasis. My old name that I used to use was The Real Jay. The Real Jay Walker had an exclamation mark at the end. So within my rebranding, this gave me an opportunity to keep the exclamation mark and just slide it behind the e.
0: Okay, I like that. Yeah, yeah well, as artists, we always have to do something and make ourselves stand out from right. people who uh, have names like us. Uh I don't know anybody who has Zen Ashe. There was a Zen, a poet named right. Zen. He's passed on. So um yeah, yeah,
2: I remember Zen.
0: Yeah, I knew
1: Zen.
0: yeah. So some people were like, "Why are you using his name?" And I was like, "No, no. Right, right, I been right. called Zen for." since college. So, you know, I just yeah. added the ache onto it cuz uh right. that really resonated with me as a writer. You know, your words have power, you know, most, most, and and so be it. There's so many meanings of ache. I actually have a poem about that. Okay. So, um so what does commitment mean to you?
2: Commitment means it means so much because it's you know that the phrase when people ask, you know, are you are you all the way in? It's, it's, there's no middle ground. It's either you in or out. So for me, commitment means to, to really just be devoted to whatever it is in that particular direction. You can only go one direction at one time. So for me, commitment, commitment has represented my whole career just from, you know, I've been freelancing for the last 11 years, but I had to take that leap of faith. To actually just quit my job and go full time with everything that uh, that I'm doing. So, being that you know it's only so much you can do when you still in one particular um, job or, or career. And um, I mean, that's pretty much been my story. Is all about commitment.
0: Yeah, I have a lot of respect for people who are artists full-time because, you know, I I am an artist part-time. Well, that's kind of weird to say because I think an artist is who you are. So I Mm -hmm. think I am an artist full-time, I just, I have a nine-to-five. So I'll put it like that. Right,
1: right. Yeah.
0: Nine-to-fives
2: are needed until you, you know (laughs) what I'm saying, you get to the next chapter.
0: Yeah, I'm going to be... Fully committed, as in leaving my nine to five in 2025. So I'm already no, working on my okay. exit plan. Um, right. I'm releasing a book next month to Amazon. That's part of my exit plan. And and nice. you know when you're writing, that's a whole different type of commitment. You know, going on tour right. that's one kind of commitment because you 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 know you have those cities that you're hitting. You have those stops. You got to keep pushing through, regardless of how right. you feel. You sit down to write a book, you know. That is some long hours. <laughs> um, hey, yeah,
2: I can relate. I'm I'm working on my first book, and it's to complement the album that I'm working on. But it's, it's new to me, but at the same time, it's it's going to be unique because it's it's not your typical book like a, a novel that I'm writing. It's more of a graphic lyric a graphic, lyrical, cool songbook. So, you know, it, it'll it be the music and the content that I have. But, um, I mean, the writing, the more so deeper writing for that will be um, pretty much just writing about, like, what led to these particular songs or kind of explaining some of the lyrics to give you a little bit more insight about it.
0: That's cool. I, I always like the I just watched um what was it? Rick James Biopic. Um mm-hmm. I can't remember the name of it, but it was telling like the story behind some of the songs and, and, and like his whole life. Yeah. And that that's just so when you see those biopics about to me musicians and you want to talk about commitment, you know, mm-hmm. he went to Canada for a while because he couldn't get play here in the States, you know, and then came right. back, you know, right. uh, after playing with a lot of different bands, having a lot of different sounds, having a lot of different influences, came back and worked with Motown, you know, so right. he was committed in terms of just, okay, I'm gonna leave the U.S. cause I'm gonna mm. go where the music has taken me, where the musical opportunities are. That's how committed right. I am to just go someplace. I've never been around people I'd never have met, leave my whole country, and and go to this new environment and see what I can learn from these people. So I was I was really impressed by that, you know. That's and, interesting,
2: I, I didn't know that. I yeah. didn't know like how uh, Jimi Hendrix went to like the UK, like London and whatnot, but I, I didn't know about Rick James. But that's kind of similar to like my situation. Like when I launched the tour, a lot of people thought, you know, I'm probably would just be exhausting myself Within Houston, but I was trying to and still is trying to go to all of the the places outside of Houston. Like I had to create scarcity and get out of my comfort zone, going to places where I don't know anybody there. But by the time I leave, you know, I build
1: relationships with with different people.
0: Well, I think getting out of your comfort zone, you know, um, I think when you commit to a path. Mm -hmm. And you're committing to whatever obstacles come in that path, overcoming them. And you're committing to just moving forward. Um, Right. So you're going to these new places. You're meeting these new people. You're networking. You're extending your ability to uh, basically be in that market. and, And you're branding yourself in different markets. You know, right. so that, that definitely takes some commitment because a lot of people, they have their little neighborhood that they're, comil- they're, they're familiar with, they're comfortable with, and they don't mm-hmm. even see themselves leaving that, uh, even right. go to college or definitely not for a dream. You know, a lot right. of
1: people,
0: that whole idea of, oh my gosh, this is a dream, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to commit to that dream
1: right uh,
0: and and say okay i'm going to go all in like you mentioned going all in on right. the dream you know so that is definitely a way that you can progress and grow um and do you feel like that commitment has made you progress and grow more than if you had been half-hearted about it
2: absolutely um it's part of like when i first when I first decided when I first quit my job and went full time, part of my original plan was to move to Atlanta, right but i when i before i I went to Atlanta, I thought about the fact that okay, I'm gonna be starting all over, but I'm kinda going to Atlanta with a chip on my shoulder in a sense to where oh. Houston wasn't feeling me or I couldn't do what I I needed to do in Houston. But then I asked myself, where have you really fully made the commitment to do what you needed to do in Houston? If you're going somewhere else, you're going to have to start all over. It's going to be the same thing. So I did move to Atlanta I say, okay, I feel like I got unfinished business here in Houston. Now is the opportunity for me to fully commit myself to this craft and start where I am and then work my way out of there and so finally you know almost what nine almost 10 years later uh i felt like okay now it's time for me to actually go on tour for me touring has always been bucket list but i'm at the point in my career where i no longer am looking for a record deal i just want to be the most successful artist independent artist i can be and so now I'm, I'm like okay. The next commitment is commit to touring. Figure out a way to go on tour. And oddly enough, I launched my tour in the midst of the pandemic. So I think that out of all the times that I could have did it, it, it basically shows people how committed I am to you know my vision.
0: Yeah, I was reading your um, bio. I put it on the event um, and. You are doing a lot of things. <laughs> you put a lot, quite a few things on there, and and you know that's. Um, sometimes people will say, "Why do you do so many things?" They'll say that to me, like, "Why you mm-hmm. are a spoken word artist? You are a writer. You're an essayist. You're um, a poet. So you're a page poet as well as a, right. a spoken word artist." Now I'm a podcaster. Now mm-hmm. um, I, I'm writing nonfiction books and doing workshops. And I have, right. staff, and they're like, why right. do you do all this? And I'm like, well, one thing led to another. And when, for me, when doors mm-hmm. open, I'm not going to say, oh, that's too much. Let me, no, I'm not going to walk through that door that's it's opening. I'm going right. to no, that door just opened. People are asking me, like when I started the podcast, people were like, I like these concepts. I really want to go deeper into these concepts. You said you wrote journals about these concepts. What did you write about? So I actually created a guided journal for each one of the topics that I had done. The first 16 topics was volume one. The next 20 topics was volume two. And then people started buying that. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, okay, am I not going to do that because it's another thing for me to do? No, I'm going to do it because it's what the people are asking for. It's what they're saying would help them. And if I right. started this to use my gifts and my talents and abilities, then I need to use my gifts and talents and abilities mm-hmm. you know and so uh, I, some of the what were some of the things that you put uh, on your some of the things <laughs> I, that you, I know you said to your is that your artwork behind you
2: yeah so this is this is me uh so you know my tagline is man and many acts artists and many acts right and so people sometimes assume that I'm saying I'm a jack-of-all-trades and I always gotta like just reiterate, I'm actually not a jack-of-all-trades. I actually spend the, the appropriate time to try to master, master a particular discipline. And then once I got it to a level where I have mastery or close to it, I can put it on autopilot and carry it over into the next. So what you're seeing here is some of my, I guess you could say this is some of my, uh Curation work, because this is my, my my work that I've curated along with some other people's work, but this is my graphic artwork. Um, I basically. Well, let me let me start. Let me start from the beginning. I've never been able to do one thing, even, you know, when I, as a kid growing up, I, I was into sports. I played several different sports. I was I was like the best artist in my class right? But then I was also heavy into music, you know, all the way into elementary. So it was natural for me to just, it's almost like seasons. You know, when baseball season was over, I played football. When football season was over, I played basketball. And in between, I was always doing art. I was always into music. So they always went hand in hand together. What I realized, it actually slowed me down in my my career path by the time i got ready to go to college because i fell into the whole uh listening to other people say we need to get a backup plan so i knew straight out of i was in graphic design from 10th grade to 12th grade i knew i wanted to be the graphic designer or a rapper right Or, or artist and uh i ended up the first two years of college i was just changing my major every every semester. Eventually, I dropped out. And I said, if I ever go back to school, it got to be something with something that I'm passionate about. So the first thing I did was music production, audio engineer, I finished that in 08. And fast forward when I quit my job to go full time with the music. I've always been one of those artists that I just enjoyed the creative process of of, of everything coming to, to be in this fruition, right? So just being curious, I would learn more about things and then get a knack for it and then get good enough to do it. And part of, part of uh, how I started picking up more talents and gifts is because I didn't always know how to communicate to other disciplines or other artists what I was seeing or what I wanted to hear. And I felt like that was stifling my growth at some point. So it was was easier for me to say, well, let me just get on the keyboard and try to play what I'm hearing, or let me uh, show you, let me sketch out, let me draw what it is. And then as I continued to develop more and more skills, um, I started tapping more into the entrepreneurial side of things and I started appreciating the whole idea of being not only the janitor, but the CEO. So if I know how everything is ran from scratch. If I was, it, it makes me, uh, it, it puts me in a position to hire or delegate what the, the next skill level to the right person because I know how everything is supposed to be ran. If I was to hire somebody, I can show you how to clean the toilet. So you don't feel like oh he's just trying to put me down because he's cleaning the toilets, I can wear all of those hats and um even even you know the concept in the Bible where it talks about the talents like if you don't use it, you'll lose it so it was it was some people that I used to admire certain gifts and talents, but I would see them kind of like sabotage those skills, and uh you know I used to say to myself man if if I had that ability, this is what I would do with it. And over time, I would learn. I would, you know, look at these people, and then I started surpassing those same people. That I was like, man, how are they doing this? Mm. And then I put in the time. Is you know, I, I just started. I feel like you know, the universe just keep blessing me with more gifts because I'm using all my gifts, and I got more room. Than you know, I'm I'm, a, I'm always a student. Like. Even 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 though I've reached the level of what you would probably, you know, classify me as an expert in some areas, I still wake up every morning like trying to figure it out as if I don't I already know what I know. And so I think that keeps my eyes sharp to just keep learning and well you know what I have another another gift that I'm committed to.
0: Well I, I like you said a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a lot.
0: Uh, <laughs> So I wanted to kind of piggyback on some of the things that you said. Okay. Um, I read a book by Robert Kawasaki, and I think it was mm-hmm. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, because he has several mm-hmm. books. But he was talking about how his rich dad told him that he needed to um, learn a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and you know, his poor dad, you know, was telling him, have a backup plan. Um, right. Specialize.
1: Yeah. But
0: if you specialize and they don't need that skill, then you're out of business. You're out of a job. But if you have multiple skills, Mm
1: -hmm. then
0: you can always maneuver into a different area or aspect. So there were times when Robert Kawasaki would actually take a lower paying job Mm -hmm. so he can learn a skill. Right. That he felt would do him good in the long run mm-hmm. so that he could, in a sense, pad his resume with a lot of different types of complementary skills. Right. And talking about that, you know, so a lot of times people are. They are trying to be helpful.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. I, also
0: told, I also was told I have a, know plan, have a backup plan. And I wanted to be a writer, right? That's right. what I wanted to be when I was a little girl. I, I wrote, you know, when I was nine years old, I wrote, wrote my first book. Right. I was writing in high oh, school, wow. and and I wanted to be a writer, but I didn't know how to Let's go about it.
2: We're gonna snap for that. <laughs> I
0: didn't now have you. any idea how to go about it, and my right. mom was like, "You should go into business. You know, people are always going to need to." be you know in business and so she sent me to the high school for business professions which i don't remember anything i learned in those business classes i gonna be honest i don't even know what they taught me um you know i went to lamar but but uh it didn't resonate with me i never planned on being a business person i am now but that mm-hmm. came from writing that came from poetry right. that came from turning poetry right. into a business right. so I spent. I did the same thing you did the first two years of college. I changed my major, mm-hmm. changed my major, changed, right, my, major, changed right. my major, and I won't say that that time was ra- wasted because I grew as a person. I yeah, learned what did I not work for me, Yeah. and I got to take some interesting classes along the way. But I could have had a master's and I had a bachelor's because I yeah. spent two years changing my major. Hey, um, you know, so. The people that were trying to help me, they did, in a sense, stagnate my growth and and push me into a pigeonhole that didn't fit me. And for mm-hmm. me, you, you, I admire you again, because I didn't come around full circle to coming back to being a writer till my kids were getting ready to graduate high school. And mm. I was like, you know what? I've spent my whole life going to do the backup plan which i'm right. good at i'm good at right. i don't have any problem with that i'm a teacher i'm good at it it comes naturally to me i learned how to i learned part of it in college but right. a lot of it came naturally me i have no problem with that right i don't feel that it's wasted but but my passion has always been the word words you know poetry writing so right. it took me for my kids to be about to leave the house, and I'm like, right. I need to find something to do because I'm not chauffeuring them to football, basketball, choir, debate. Right. You know, I need to find something to do. And I started to write, I started to perform, and right. that became my passion. And now I do it all the time.
1: Um, right.
0: But commitment, you know, when you make a choice, I made a choice to be committed to the path that people told me was the right path, which was the yeah. safe path which was right. the get a job, get benefits path, as, as, right. as Dad, Rich Dad says. Um, but at the end of the day, are you going to be happy? You know, yeah. and there came a point in my life seven years ago, even before I started performing, mm-hmm. when I was like, I'm not going to do this for the rest of my life because this industry is changing. Right. And the way they're treating us as teachers, I don't like it i don't Mm -hmm. like the 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 messages that are being sent i don't like it i'm not committed to this anymore so what am i going to be committed to what am i going to put my heart and soul into because i can't put my heart and soul into this if i put my heart and soul into this it's gonna break my heart because a lot of the kids didn't care a lot of parents didn't care a lot of society doesn't care about education Mm -hmm. so trying to put my heart and soul into that and making it my end all and be all I had to pull back from that some, I'm still going to do my absolute best, but I can't Mm. have my heart and soul and my fulfillment wrapped up in this thing, you know? So, so I think you have to, at some point, a lot of us have to decide, okay, are we being committed to the right thing? Right. With This may be paying the bills, but it might be time to change, you know, know,
2: my, my last job that I had, it financially put me in position, it was one of the you know financially was one of the best jobs I had. It it put me in position financially to to get all of these material things, but it didn't give me the it didn't allow me to have the time to use them. And every time I wanted to make plans, I could I could never plan anything. I would have to wait till the day before to find out if I can even do what I wanted to do. I, I so I, I just felt you know, restricted in so many areas. So it was just like, I'm a a slave still in a sense. So I I remember, I remember, uh, and just to be clear, I used to drive for Metro, like the big bus. I I drove for Metro six years, right? So I got there, when I first got there, I already, you know, didn't want to be working a job. I thought, you know, my career would have been blossomed a long time ago. But when I got there, I was like, all right, I'm gonna treat it like a degree. I'm gonna be here four years and I'm out, right? And uh, I got there young, so a lot of guys would be like, man, you know, you can you can do 20 years here, man. You'll still be young, man, you still, you still got time. And I used to listen to that and they used to scare me because I was like, man, I ain't gonna be, you know, I'm gonna be in and out. And then year five came around. I was like, year six came around, I was like, man, I better jump and i was more afraid of playing it safe than to be financially stable later you know i got all these material things but then i got to tell my kids yeah i could have did this yeah i would have well you know i used to and i was like and it's almost like i, I seen my life flash before my eyes what would would be if i don't jump into the unknown and that's what pushed me to you know jump out there but it's, it's funny how the universe works because with that 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 very leap of faith all it did was just open up more and more doors it's like even with my design career i put my i put my art and my design stuff down for 10 years like i let a whole 10 years go by that i wasn't acting you know i was just kind of dabbling here and there but i wasn't really act. i wasn't committed we'll say that and I, I lost that gift. So I know what it feels like to, to say every time I had to pay for artwork, I was kicking myself in the butt because I was like, you used to know how to do this. You used to have this gift and you went active and you lost it. And, you know, every time I, I, I it wasn't even about the money. I, I didn't want, it wasn't to say, people ask me like, well, did you get into this to save money? It was a passion project. And I was already used to like working 40, 50 hours, right? It's funny how I was still able to squeeze out 20, 25 hours outside of my full-time job to do what I was passionate about. So when I, when I went full-time with the music, I was like, you know what? I used to be able to find time to do other things with my, my music. Now I can get back to my art and my design. So I just locked myself up in the room for about four or five months and and retaught myself like all the way from scratch. I I, I jumped on Lynda.com, which is LinkedIn Learning now, and retaught myself. And it was people seeing my my own me just marketing my. I really just wanted to market myself to look the part. And before you know it, people start asking, "Who's doing your album covers? Who's doing your branding, your marketing, your posters?" And when they found out it was me, it became a service that I can now monetize. But it all started as a passion project. So at that point, that just let me know, like, it's always worth me betting on myself. As long as I can think of, I've always been successful. I've always thrived when I went against the grain to just bet on myself.
0: Well, I, you know, I agree with you that when you take a leap of faith, as you said, that the universe does open doors for you. Um, I've seen that happen in my own life. And if you were playing it safe, I believe mm-hmm. that those opportunities would go to somebody else that was mm-hmm. really committed, as we're talking about.
1: Right, I right. think
0: I think I think that God, the universe is looking for, OK, who can I trust?
1: Right. With
0: this opportunity, who is going to actually follow through. And right. um, if you're not going to follow through, it's just not going to come to you. You know, right. so I think that that's one of the ways that people miss out on their blessings is because they're sitting and waiting
1: for mm-hmm. the right
0: time, the right opportunity, rather than just taking a leap of faith and believing if I take this first step, the next step mm-hmm. will come and the yeah. next step after that will come. I don't have to see the whole journey right now. I only have to take the step that I understand right now to take, and I'm right. committed to moving forward on this path. You know, yeah. so I think that that's powerful, and and I think it is. There are moments you said when you felt like your life was flashing before your eyes. You know, when mm-hmm. COVID happened. um, For me, that was last year, you know, when we had the whole lockdown is what I'm talking about. Of course, we know COVID is out there, but I mean, when we were all stuck in quarantine is what I'm talking about. That was a time when I think a lot of people, including myself, we reflected. A lot of people questioned their whole lifestyle. There were many people who decided not to go back to work when everything opened up. Because they had right. banked on themselves, as you say, they had started right. their own thing. You know, for right. me, that was a time when I went back to some of my roots and, and really mm-hmm. went back to journaling, went back to really getting into like what motivated me before all this happened, what, what made me feel grounded and, and really motivated and inspired. And I went back to some of those things and that's actually where this entire podcast came from
1: because
0: I was a spoken word artist doing live shows. I had no plans to do a podcast, none at all. And people
1: kept saying,
0: you should do a podcast. You have a great voice. And I was like, I know nothing about podcasts, and I know nothing about technology. But what did I do? I sat there for two, three months, like you said, closed door, taking a podcasting class, you know, sketching out, okay, these are going to be all my episodes. I went A to Z. You know, right. like this is commitment. I've I've had abundance. I've had balance. I've had boundaries. I've had consistency. I literally have a to z episodes already planned out. You right. know, for however long it takes to get through all those letters and those words. Right. Um, that's what I was sitting doing during quarantine. And you know, so what you say? I was I was
2: quarantined before <laughs> quarantine because of my. The the yeah. path that my my journey has put me on, like I I always tell people like that first year when I quit my job that that time was foreign for me because it's like waking up and you used to work forty hours a week and it's just like you know I I used to work eight hours and then try to you know get some sleep and then figure it out but it's like now you just got a whole day like you're not on vacation. You're not, you know, you didn't lose your job. It's like now every day, mm-hmm. this is your life. So I used to tell people that when they, when they would tell me, man, I'm thinking about taking a leap of faith. I was like, cause I made mistakes in the beginning, you know, but I was tempted I said, man, that, that time on your hands, it's going to be priceless, but it's going to be foreign. So you gotta, you gotta weed out the distraction. It's going to be a lot of people coming to, you know, add more distractions to, to what you're trying to do because if if it's foreign for you and you really did it it's definitely gonna be foreign for them. I used to get up early in the morning get dressed and people would say you know where you going and I was like I'm going to go to work. They like oh where you work at now and it's like I work for myself and oh man you just you know you just in you just in the studio man you ain't you know and they didn't really get it and I Fast forward, here, eleven years later, when the pandemic hit, I, I was already used to spending. You know, I mastered being alone and, and and being in this box just to figure it out. So when everybody's kind of like freaking out, I'm like masterminded. Like I'm just like, man, this is I'm I'm in my element, and I'm watching those that are this is unfamiliar. Like you know, that's pretty much like why I felt comfortable with touring when everybody was just like it's like all right i gotta keep my sanity so if i can't get my neighbors to come say hi i can't get family to say hi i started touring the world and i was able to still remain social on a a global level
0: well you know for me i think you may not have written it down or you might have you have mm-hmm. to set out your priorities and your values and your goals. Mm, and that's absolutely. what you have to be committed to. Because when you are, I'm, I'm building my business. I've been mm-hmm. building, you know, first it was Laughs and Lyrics, a live show. And mm-hmm. now it's a podcast and the writing aspect of my life. The whole, mm-hmm. I'm launching a book to Amazon next month. You know, so I literally have, for me, I have to write down these are the goals yeah. I want to accomplish this month or this year. Right. Um, these are my values. This is what really I'm committed to. I'm committed yeah. to this. This is why it's important to me. This is why I'm yeah. going to focus my time and energy on this. Um you and
2: manifesting then- over here.
0: hmm Yeah, <laughs> and just got my vision board behind me. That's actually my vision board over there. That's my vision board. All those words on my vision yeah. board, you see all the different colors all the different areas. I got a bunch yes. of words on there. Yes, um, so that's actually one of my vision boards. I have several vision boards, but that's one of them. But yeah, um, sitting down and, and planning out what am I going to be committed to? Where is my time going to go? Where's my money going to go? Where's my energy going to go? Um, right. What, what do I want to accomplish? Because I did an episode called busier building. You can be very mm. busy and be building absolutely nothing. Exactly. So you could be spinning your wheels. You could be the hamster on the wheel. So it has to be purposeful action. You have to be, in my opinion, committed to getting certain things done and things have to be done. Now, you may not, as I said before, you may not see every every step on the path, but you have to see, Okay, this seems like the next logical step.
1: This seems like
0: the next logical step after that. Now sometimes things come up and you get sped up even faster. Oh, I jumped right. steps. Oh, I'm over there now. You know, but right. sometimes you have to slide back. Another thing that people have to be under have to understand is it's not all roses and sunshine. When you commit to something, there are some setbacks and you have to commit to, as I said, pushing through that. There are some days when you're like, oh, did I really start this? And this happened. And this failed and I need to rebrand or I need to rework this because that didn't work. Right. You know, but that's all part of the learning process. You know, you mentioned that first year that you were, you know, on your own and not at a nine to five, you know, I haven't had that first year yet, but I have been, you know, people will say, how do you get everything done? Well, I don't watch TV. I've been off for a week. Mm -hmm. I have watched four hours of TV this entire mm. seven days
1: right
0: because what have i been doing i've been vending i've been networked right. i've been posting you know clips of my shows i've been right. writing a book that i'm getting ready to release next year i've been mm-hmm. editing finish editing the book that i'm getting ready to release last this upcoming right. i've been busy and then of yeah. course i got to make time for family and friends and holidays and cooking and eating and all right. that stuff. but yeah, there are things that you have to sacrifice when you're committed. I don't, that's what I was gonna say. You know, <coughs> there are it some things sacrifice. I can't do, you know. So, right. so people may stay, and, and that's a whole nother thing that you have to get prepared for. You know, I remember there was a Dr. J song, and he was talking about everybody saying, Dr. Dre fell off. I've been in the lab with a pen in the pad <laughs> trying to get to the the label off, you know. Right, right, and, and yeah. I yeah. Always, that line just always resonated with me so much right. because yeah. people are assuming that because they don't see you, oh well, I guess I guess she ain't booked and busy. I guess her business is whatever.
2: No, just, you know what I call it? I call it, it hibernation.
0: Right there, you have to sometimes go underground to come shooting up with something new. You
1: right. know, you
0: can't always be in the face of the people. There are times Mm -hmm. when, as you said, you got to close that door and be committed to the grind Mm because people think the grind is you in somebody's face all the time. you on the Internet all the time. No, the grind sometimes is nobody sees you. Nobody hears from you, you know, and and you have to to understand that.
2: It's kind of like the pandemic opened it up for everybody to just go in monk mode. For everybody to hibernate, everybody that's making been making excuses. Well, yeah, cause I used to have people tell me, Well, well, yeah, if I had as much time as you had, then you know, I probably would start me a business and, and I and I, I would do this and it must be nice. You got all this time to just be in your little studio. And then the pandemic happened and people freaked out. It's like, what happened to all, what you what you say you would do with all that time? because I used to sit back and, and people watch sometimes. Almost, I, I tend to learn sometimes from what not to do. And so I will watch people just like sabotage in time and it will make me go harder because the same people they'd be like, yeah, I would do this if I would do this. But then they watching like eight, eight hours of TV a day. And, and when you talk to them early in the morning, they watching TV, they bench watching talk to them later they still binge watching and i'm saying to myself this is why you can't elevate but i would just use that as the catalyst to keep me like you know what i don't have i like i've been retired from watching tv i've been retired from doing a lot of things that i i used to do and i just transferred that energy elsewhere are you familiar with uh you probably are you familiar with the outliers
0: yeah, I've read it. I've read it. Malcolm Gladwell. I've read several of his books. Yeah. The 10,000 hour rule that you Absolutely. have to be willing to put in 10,000 hours to become an expert.
2: When I, when I, yeah. When I grasped that concept, like in in the beginning of my journey, as these other doors was opening. Right. I, w- I was doing stuff and I was I was kind of to me like thriving at an early stage. And I was asking myself, like, is this a fluke? Like, am I really this good? Or I couldn't really understand how something that I put down for 10 years, when I jumped back into it, I was, I was, I hit the ground running and I'm 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 seeing all this success. And then I stumbled across the outliers. And it, it gave me insight to understand, like, oh, I've got way over 10,000 hours so now it's kind of like riding a bike but on the flip side of that what i realized i forgot where i read this or where i heard it but it's kind of like when we first start something it's kind of like the universe uh gives us hints like beginner's luck right but the moment we commit when we commit we thinking okay all right i've been dabbling at this you know i've been winning but the moment we commit, we thinking, okay, we're finna blow. And, and it's actually when we commit, that's when it, it's like the universe really finna test you, like to see how true you are. And when you commit, it gets hard. You get all kind of challenges that you run across that you gotta you gotta push through. But once you get past now, that, you start thriving.
0: There was a book, and I don't remember the name of it, but it was talking about how when they used to find water, you know, mm-hmm. like They would be like walking around like here's a pioneer settlers, right? And then Mm -hmm. they find a soggy patch of ground, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, there must be water there. And they would dig and there would be groundwater, right? Groundwater Mm -hmm. would be right there at the top. Right. Eventually that groundwater would be gone. And then Mm -hmm. they had to dig the well, Mm
1: -hmm. right?
0: And they had to dig sometimes six, eight, 10, 12 feet to hit the water table. And then when you first dig the well, a lot of times they would have the little, if you seen these little, little house on the prairie episodes, they had the hand pump, the hand
1: crank, pump, pump,
0: pump, 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 you know, you pump, 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 and you sitting there pumping and pumping and pumping for a good three minutes, nothing's happening. But then you get that first spurt of water and then it starts to flow and then you just have to pump every now and then, just a little bit. Because what has happened is a thing called momentum. There's been a suction that's happened and that suction has begun to pull the water all the way up from the bottom, from the water table, up into that spigot. But then what happens if you stop? If you stop, you have to start all over again. You lose that momentum. Right. and um i think it was a book called the quantum effect i think that's what it was called or something like that because it was amazing. talking about how people don't understand the power of momentum and they don't mm-hmm. understand why, why people like coca-cola let's say coca-cola coca-cola you would think doesn't need to run another ad ever 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 in life they right. still run ads why are they still running ads Because. Momentum. Don't want to ever lose momentum and have people be like, Coke who coke what mm-hmm.
1: right exactly so
0: pop up every now and then with that, you know, have a coke and a smile ad, you know, mm-hmm. or, or whatever the slogan of the day is, because right. they have learned it is a whole lot cheaper to pop up every now and then and just keep that little, you know, just just tap on that spigot, you know what I'm saying, yep. than to yep. stop and try to coast. Yeah. And then realize, oh wait a minute, we lost momentum. Now we got to start all over again. Start all
1: over again. Start you know? All over again. And, and, that, that, and that goes with
0: commitment. Like, you got to be committed to keep it going.
1: Keep that momentum. And
2: I, I know what it's like. I know what it's like on both ends because I've slowed down <laughs> musically at times and trying to get that momentum back up is just like we'll take a break for something. And then when we come back, we're trying to, we're trying to come and show how big and grand we can be to make up for that time where we didn't have momentum. But then now it's, it's become, it's becoming overwhelming now, right? So what I've learned is like to start small, small wins to get my momentum back up. And once I get my momentum back up, I'm, I'm full sailing, but I learned to like instead of, Allow my momentum to go down, just keep waking up. Like, even, like I, I I put a, I wrote something down the other day and it was like, every day counts. I mean, even a little bit, when you show up every day, mm. even a little bit counts. Yeah. That's true. Bit. And I think Kobe, Kobe mentioned, like, Kobe kind of talked about that, like, you know, the, the Mamba mentality of how he used to train. He was like, after about six, seven years, he had it on autopilot, none, none of his peers could ever catch up because he put all that work in and then now he set that that momentum on autopilot. It's like, you'll never be able
1: to catch up with me at this point. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, you know, some of the great actors of our day, I remember Will Smith saying, you know, I may not be the best actor, but you're not going to outwork me.
1: Exactly. i go not going to outwork me. Exactly. And that's what
2: you got to respect. Like, like sometimes people get so caught up with about how less talented other people they feel are. But well, I respect anybody that show up every day. It's like with any skill, that with anything that you're doing, it's, it's like over time you're going to get better and better. And sometimes I think we think that we have to have a natural talent or gift. A lot of these things, people just work at it every day, every day. Every. I, I always tell people, you can learn how people say, man, you're so creative.
1: You know how to draw. It's like,
2: I still had to learn and practice how to draw. I was like, mm-hmm. like, it's a whole bunch of people that's technically better than me. But hey, I'm, I'm, I'm here every day. They might still have a job. I'm like, well, I'll do this. is a lifestyle for me. So guess what? I'm going to get better and better every day.
0: And, you know, you said something powerful earlier, you said, I will never stop learning. Mm -hmm. I think that there's um, when you have humility and you're Mm -hmm. committed to, you also mentioned the word craft, Mm
1: -hmm. that you
0: understand that whatever you're doing, if it's, you know, art, if it's music, if it's poetry, that's a craft. It's Mm -hmm. something that you have to practice, it's something that you have to, to learn. And there are techniques that you can learn um, and reading, like for me, going and reading great writers. And I can say, oh, look Mm -hmm. how they wrote that. Look how they said that. Oh, look how they structured that. Or you could listen to different songs and be like, I like how they did that beat. I like how they did, they layered the music. I like this, whatever. So you can always be learning from people and then putting your own spin on things, but to always be learning and, and realize that, we always can learn and be humble, and mm-hmm. and just committed to excellence. You know,
1: right? Um, Most definitely.
0: Yeah. So, so kind of what made you pick this topic? Like, why? Why did it kind of?
2: I forgot what the other. I forgot what some of the other ones was, but I think, I think at the time when you hit me up, I. I think I was making a commitment to something else. I can't remember if somebody asked me to do something, or I tend to work in seasons. And I remember that when I seen on the list commitment, it resonated with me because I was like, all right, this, is like, uh, it was like synergy. Because I was like, I was, I was at a crossroads of the next commitment that I needed to make. And I felt like I had a wealth of information that I could like just dump, like just naturally, the importance of being committed. And, it, and, it, and as long as I've been doing this, I'm human, I still have to recommit and recommit and recommit because I might start, I, I, might, I might be good Monday through Wednesday, and then I hit a pie hole. And it's something about when you lose momentum, it's it's like for example. During the pandemic, I started learning Spanish, right?
1: <laughs>
2: Cause I'm trying, I was like, I don't, let me, let me do something other than watch TV. And man, I was like at 90 days straight. And uh, it was one night, the time I missed the time by like, by the time I finished the last couple of uh, answers, it was like 1158, 1159. So when 12 o'clock came, They gave me a a missed day. Mm. And so it's like I took an L. And I remember just, I was, my momentum just had me on this high. And man, that one little loss just messed up my momentum. Mm. And starting over, like looking at, I'm like at my day 90, day 91. And then now I got to come and it's like day one, Mm. day two. And I just lost momentum and I quit. Like, I, I just loved, and I was like, dang. Then I found myself in Cancun and got lost and couldn't really communicate how I needed to. And it's like, see, if I would have kept it up, I wouldn't even be in this predicament, man.
0: So people that were uh, listening to us before, if you're back with us, I wanted to kind of wrap up, and we had a couple of technical difficulties, but um, I wanted to ask you about where you came up with the name Design Wrap tour, designer rap tour. All
2: right. You want to hear the story behind it?
0: Sure. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. So, <laughs> right. so many, many hats, artists, and many acts. I first came up with that tagline while focusing on my music because I was an artist, producer, engineer, CEO, right? So I was I already, I already knew, I knew I was an artist, but I had I wasn't really disciplined, discipline the design and the art and stuff right there, right? But once I started my freelance career and started designing for other people, um I did a few shows. I did I did like three uh independent shows where I was basically everything was pretty much like designer rap tour, but it didn't have an identity, right? And so I knew I had something brewing because I had did a live show and I had the whole theatrics where all of my artwork that was kind of created around the show and I promoted it. And it was the first show that I did, it was during the weekend that my The first time my work had got selected to be in the Museum of Fine Arts uh, for the Houston African from the African-American Artist Exhibition. So simultaneously that same week it was like I had an opening reception at the Museum of Fine Arts at the Glassell and then I was leaving that show and going to get ready for the, the live performance rap show right. So I knew I had some unique brewing but challenge for me was like, I don't have a name to everybody else. It's like I'm just all over the place. Right. Mm. So fast forward. I had a friend of mine commissioned me to do his album, album artwork for him, right. And at the time I was back in the studio. And I told him I said, Hey, man, keep me in mind for a feature. I got I'm back in the studio I'm working on some new material. I'm I'm getting my momentum back up. I want people to know that I'm, you know, still doing music. And so he was like, cool. So he saved uh, the track that he put me on as the last song on the album. And so as I'm writing my lyrics, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about the impact that I'm making in my return because it's like, I'm feeling like I really did this, this album artwork, just this, and that's going to be the first thing that people see and then he saved a verse for me to get on on the last song on the album so it's kind of like I'm putting the exclamation mark at the end of what it is that I'm doing and I, it was a cypher track is one of the tracks where you know you kind of you stroke your ego and you talk your stuff you know so I'm feeling myself and I said something at the end of my line, along the lines of, I'm not doing what everybody else is doing. This ain't what you used to. This is designer rap. And that's how I ended it, right? And it still didn't hit me. It didn't hit me at the moment. It wasn't until the, the mixing and mastering process. I'm listening back to it. And I was like, designer rap, what, what did I say? And I was like, Man, they got a nice ring to it. And I was like, that's when the light bulb went off. And I was like, that's everything I've been trying to say for the last four or five years, trying to find like something simple to describe what it is that I do. And I'm like approaching, like just with with everything that I do, it's like I'm I'm designing my life. I'm really manifesting these things, right? And I'm approaching, like I'm really a designer, so I'm like, people are probably gonna think I'm just being pretentious, like, oh man, designer rap, that just sound cool. But I was like, eventually they're gonna connect the dots. So they were like, oh, that's the dude that seen his artwork in the museum. Oh, he really is an artist and designer. Oh, he really do rap. He really is a designer that rap, and it's an art to putting these disciplines together. And then uh so fast forward when I when I I knew. I had something powerful to work with, but I was like, you know what? The vision that I'm seeing for this is, is really big. And you know how they say, if your dreams don't scare you, if your vision don't scare you, it ain't big enough. Right. So I seen touring, like I seen it being something bigger than me, something really big. But I was like, you know what? If I've been sharing these smile dreams and goals of people and people can't really grasp that. And they're like, man, how are you going to do that? I was like, I sure can't share this bigger vision, right? So I just kept it under my hat for the next two years. because That was like 2017 when I came up with it, right? So i just been kind of developing it under my hat to be what I wanted to be. And I didn't really know how, you know, I think we, we'd be in our own way because we always trying to figure out how, 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 right? So... It wasn't until 2019 that an opportunity came uh, for me to apply for an artist grant for the Houston Arts Alliance. And it was one of those grants for artists to have unconventional ideas. Here's your moment to pitch your crazy idea. And I was like, I should apply, but what, what am I going to apply for? And that's when I was like, man, what I really want to do is, you know, I ain't told nobody about it. And if I'm gonna tell anybody, if I'm gonna tell anybody about it, it might well be somebody trying to give me some funding and some money. So that's when I just exhausted myself applying for this grant, pitching the whole designer wrap tour concept, which it was still designer rap, but I knew I wanted to tour. And so I'm pitching this concept. And I remember them asking me, they was like, if you don't get this grant, what would you do? And I was like, I'm just going to invest in myself. Right. And uh, I didn't end up getting the grant, but I was grateful of the process of applying for the grant. It stretched me. It got me way out of my comfort zone because it forced me to have to see a year ahead. It forced me to have to figure out, okay, what salary am I going to pay myself? Who, Where's the venue going to be at? Who's going to promote it? How are you going to market it? And it was just
0: it was overwhelming,
2: and I was—I just felt like I was being interrogated at a table, like, "How you gonna do? How, how, how?" And um, I had what I decided to do was—I knew it was a deadline to turn the grant in to submit it, but I knew that they weren't gonna give us an answer until like December. I think we had to apply in October and then find out around December. So I was like man, if I had a way to like still kind of hack away at some of these things that I'm trying to communicate and that would be cool, but what can I do? And I remember them asking at the end of the application, like, do you have a website or do you have something like that? And that's when another light bulb comes like, (coughs) get a domain name, Mm -hmm. just go ahead and and, and start developing it because by the time they get to your application, you have the website done. And like I just got the domain. But when, when I got ready to do it, it was like design a wrap. But what am I trying to communicate? And then it just hit me. It's like, I want a tour. And when I said that, I was like, design a wrap tour. That's what it is. That's what I'm trying to pitch. And I bought the domain name and set it up. And then I just started building it. After I submitted my application, because it's still like a blank, <laughs> the website didn't really exist but I had to hurry up and develop something. And that's when I officially started branding everything as Designer Rap Tour.
0: That's cool. So we know we can find you at Designer Rap Tour. Is there any other? Uh,
2: Designerraptour.com, Designerraptour.com. My other site, if you want to see more of my uh, graphic art and design work that I've done, not only for myself, but for others, you can go at the art of James I also have a Linktree link that'll take you to everything. So if you're familiar with Linktree and a Linktree platform, you can go to Linktree.com, which is uh, l i n k t r . e e dot-e-e. It's Linktree slash designer rap tour. That'll take you to my Spotify, my Apple Music, my YouTube, my It'll take you to my website and all of my social media platforms, my email, everything in one link through my link tree.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us and thank you for giving us your insights on commitment and letting us see your artwork. And I'm hoping that people are gonna go and get your music and you know get some branding from you and you know, use you for all your talent. So so hey, I want to
2: I am I am grateful and I'm honored. Thank you for the invite. I know we've been kind of building rapport for for, probably as far back as last year. And uh, so I appreciate the invite. I'm glad we was able to uh, make it happen. I was actually hoping that I could have just made it to the studio, but uh, we'll make it happen.
0: Sure. All right. Well, everybody, thank you for tuning in and may you walk in Zenergy. Have a great night. Zen a newly divorced 43-year-old Southern woman, wanted a fresh start. She'd heard there were plenty of fish to choose from in the modern dating pond. What she discovered were plenty of guppies, exactly 101 of them. The result? A provocative, transparent, raw, and delightfully uncensored account of her experiences with the 101 men she encountered on her journey to find the one. In Plenty of Guppies, Zen spills all the tea on dating psychology, relationships, and self-discovery while giving readers a rare glimpse into the life of an award-winning artist and best-selling author. The book is an enlightening narrative that explores gender roles and identity outside of societal expectations. Zen has written a refreshingly mature modern-day epic of online dating, layering her personal story with erotic poetic verses and passionate prose that frame her journey toward rebuilding a life as a single woman and adjusting to both an empty nest and boomeranging children. (music) Thank <music>